0: This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit UBCP.com. That's UBCP.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Do it our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Live Your Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I am your host, Sabrina Firminger, and today I am overjoyed, overjoyed overjoyed to welcome Carmen Moore to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Speaking of joy, Carmen Moore is a joy to watch on screen. Even though the characters she plays aren't always allowed to be joyful, Carmen's filmography is filled with complex characters who live with big emotions, from ferocity to vulnerability to love to pain to fear. I'm talking Simone on Godiva's, Lorene on Arctic Air, Leona Stoney on Blackstone. She's got the acclaim and the awards, too. Three. Three. Three Leo Awards for Best Lead Performance in a Dramatic Series for Blackstone, the 2013 Lorena Gale Woman of Distinction Award from UBCP, and a Leo nomination for Best Actress and a Best Supporting Actress Award at the American Indian Film Festival for Rustic Oracle. I'm not gonna lie, I was having a hard time writing this introduction. I am such a fan of Carmen's work and listing off the roles she's done and the award she's won just wasn't really capturing the power and the magic of her craft. And so I did something I've never done before in the history of this podcast. And I reached out to someone else who I knew could provide insight on my guest. That someone else is legendary showrunner and director Gary Harvey, who has, oh my God, you should see Carmen's face right now. Uh, Gary has worked with Carmen on four projects, including Arctic Air and Godiva's. So here's what Gary had to say when I asked him what he thinks are the special qualities that Carmen brings to her work. Okay, this is Gary now. One of the things I love about working with Carm is she can be fearless. I can probably think of several occasions where the part required she suck up her own fear and go through it. And she always does and always has. And you see that in her entire body of work. There is little on her resume that would fall into easy category. And for that, I think she should be commended. And despite the amount she does work, I think she's an undervalued talent in this market. I also love that she can access at will a don't fuck with me vibe. Her on-camera looks can be devastating. Also, Carmen has an amazing connection with her empathy. This is a big part of her talent and abilities. So thank you, Gary Harvey, for giving me those words. So, today we're going to dig deep into Carmen's talent and abilities and empathy. We're going to talk about some of her most memorable and challenging roles, and we're going to play a spirited round of favorite things. Carmen Moore, welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast.
1: Hi, Sabrina. <laughs> oh,
0: I wish everybody could see your face. I had to focus on the words so that I didn't start to cry uh, looking at your face. Okay.
1: I'm a little speechless. Right Don't be oh, it speechless. It's a podcast. You well got to talk. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that was that was overwhelming to hear. I love Gary so much.
0: Wow. wow. You have a rebuttal. <laughs>
1: I would yeah, Gary. I will work with Gary on anything and any time. I just I love working with that man. He's been a good friend for many, many, many years and um and it's always a joy. He's just he's just great at what he
0: does. Yeah. He's a
1: beautiful, beautiful human and I just adore him.
0: Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me about the um, the first time you worked with, with Gary? Because I, I knew about Godiva's and I knew about Arctic Air, but he was like, actually, it's four projects. I was like, whoa.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the first time that I worked with Gary was actually on Godiva's. Yeah. Um, and I remember a couple of times while we were working together, he was saying, why didn't I know about you when I was doing such and such? How come I never heard about you? And I'm like, oh, oh. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, I would have loved to have had you on this and on this. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just I was sort of just coming up in the industry at that time. So, yeah, lots of people hadn't heard of me. <laughs> they still haven't.
0: <laughs> and what is your response to to what he had to say about about the special qualities that you bring?
1: You know, it's always it's always difficult to to take in really really nice things that people say about you. Yeah. Um, I, I just need to I need to sit with that for a minute. You know, I I want to believe those things about myself, but I mean, we are especially as actors, our own worst critics. So mm. it's it's still very difficult for me to take a compliment. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's also a testament of who Gary is. Gary just loves, he just loves the people that he works with and the ones that he chooses to work with um, over and over and over again. You know, it's it's very obvious how he feels. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of love and loyalty there. For sure, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: So, Carmen, this is this interview for me. It's been a long time coming. You've been on my list ever since I saw you. Although I interviewed you v- before that, but at the Leo Awards in a beautiful <laughs> gown, drinking out of a Slurpee cup on the red carpet, <laughs> which I—that's yeah. a classic Carmen Moore moment. Um, <laughs> but you know, we are recording this. Uh, we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. We are having huge movement towards, you know. Uh, possible social justice and societal change you know and that's taken an impact on a lot of people how are you doing
1: i'm tired yeah i'm really really exhausted i mean i'm trying really hard if you take a look at my instagram my social media it's it's been filled in the last few weeks with all sorts of stuff around black lives matter but not only that you know trying to keep the indigenous rights movement flowing in the midst of all that while trying not to shift focus or pull focus from the things that are going on in the world but you know it's just there are a lot of people out there that are still uh wanting us people of color to do the emotional labor for them how can you educate me what do i need to know and and the thing is is that it's not our responsibility to do the the work for people who want to be our allies um it's up to them and mm. you know a couple of people have tried to you know grieve with me through this process or to process what they're discovering with me. And the thing is is that I don't have the energy for that. I've been processing this stuff my entire life. And I'm exhausted. Yeah. So I'm just there's a lot of self-care going on right now. (laughs) You know, as much as I as much as I can, you know, I'm I'm reading, I'm shutting off my social media at times. I'm going for long walks in the woods with um, a few, you know, my my expanded bubble of friends right now. Um, I'm, I'm making sure that I spend quality forest time with them. Um, I did something silly. I, uh, I remembered uh, a couple weeks ago how much I loved paint by numbers when I was a kid. So I ordered some ah! paint by numbers kits. <laughs> and I was doing this. So, you know like that's just great that that's made, not silly that's right? amazing it, it's just something that made me feel 12 again yeah you know, I needed to reclaim a piece of that something that was mindless something that that just sort of got me out of the world and the the heaviness that I'm feeling out there right now because it's it, it can weigh you down and yeah yeah so that's my answer is that I'm I'm freaking exhausted
0: I'm I'm I hear you and thank you for sharing that I am so glad you're making true Mm self-care uh a priority, uh, because I know that sometimes self-care, a lot of people talk about self-care and what they're mean is numbing. They're meaning like, oh, we're going to drink a lot or we're going to like, we're going to eat a lot and we're just going to like put all sorts of stuff on top of our, of Mm -hmm. our pain. But like self-care can mean like, you know, getting in there, doing the work, really listening to what you need. So, um, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing.
2: Oh,
0: good. (laughs) So my forest walks are all on the little screen, but you know, same, same, um, it's an escape, right? Yeah. Absolutely, Again, it is. Meditation's
1: in there as well. You know, that's been really important, too. So
0: Yeah. Okay. Escape. You mentioned being a kid. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find segues here. I'm not... Let's just say... Okay, let's just... Let's... I, lo, I usually love to begin and end with some time travel. So... Um, I, I want to go back to, and I always, I right now I'm really obsessed with nine-year-olds because I have a nine-year-old and it's like such a pure age, you know, like she, my daughter knows who she is. She knows who she wants, what she wants, and she is happy to tell me what she thinks of me. Uh, <laughs> and there's often a lot of truth there. So let's go back in time to when you were nine, you know, where are we going and what kind of kid were you? were you and what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Oh, goodness, really, we want to go back there. I was a terrified child at nine. Uh, Nine is when we moved to Coquitlam and we spent 11 years in Coquitlam. So that was kind of a very tumultuous time in our lives. Everything was all up in the air. Hmm. My parents split a couple of years later. But, you know, I was... I was that shy kid that had no idea how to be in the world, and I could barely look people in the eyes. Um, Struggled to make friends. Um, I got picked on a lot. Uh, I think my brother and I were pretty much the only Native kids in that area that I can recall. Yeah. and it was it was difficult as well because our mother is white, and my dad's native, so we never really. I, I always felt like I never really fit anywhere, yeah. not even in my own family. Um, so yeah, nine nine was um, nine was odd. Nine was odd. Yeah, I didn't know how to play really.
0: What well, what I find amazing about what you're saying now is. When I think of you seeing you at events or when I think of you on screen. So seeing you at events, you have a big, tight group of, of friends, a lot of like powerful <laughs> women friends that I see you with. And I mean, you clear, you with your Slurpee on the red carpet clearly love to play. And, you know, I'm trying to think of the characters that you play these are not characters who are scared to look anybody in the eye, you know. So the the jump from you know be being that at nine, you know, into to how you move through this industry now in the roles. Like I'm just I'm I'm wondering about you know the connection between nine year old Carmen and industry car- grown up Carmen, you know, like how how she grew, you know, from. Not able to look into the eye to I look into my eye, you know. <laughs> That's a remarkable journey.
1: That, that little girl learned how to take care of herself from a very, very young age. Yeah. And at nine years old, yes, she was very, very scared, but she had also been taking care of herself um, for years before that. Yeah. She- Is The people around her that were supposed to be taking care of her were not able to. They didn't have the tools to do so. There was love there, but there wasn't a lot of of maturity or um, self-awareness in that home. Uh, So, I mean, yes, I grew into that person that is able to play today and that is very strong i believe you know i I, you we we do gain strength through adversity and um you know i fought every day of my life to get to where i am today it it took a lot of it took a lot of work
0: yeah when did you i'm assuming at some point you must have said i'm sitting up straighter putting i want to be an actor like when where did that come from when did that happen Uh I always knew that I wanted
1: to perform in some way from my entire life. I didn't you know, I didn't know what it was gonna be. At one point it was gonna be figure skating. Oh. Um, but I you know, there was no money. I couldn't pursue figure skating. But interestingly enough, the year that I had to give up figure skating because we didn't have the money to pursue it was the year that drama class was introduced in school, in junior high. Uh-huh. So I sort of shifted into seamlessly because it was class in school; it
0: was mm-hmm. free. Did you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, could you? You walk into that drama class and and you st- you start to I don't know what you start with clown or mask work or improv or whatever. I'm trying to think of like grade ten, grade nine drama. Yeah. Like and like, did you find something in that class almost right away?
1: Um, it was. interesting because every class that I walked into I was still terrified Hmm. and there was still a part of me that held back a lot because I of this fear of being made fun of I got made fun of all the time so it's interesting that I felt okay being on stage but I think what drew me to it is that I didn't like myself I didn't want to be me when I got on stage I didn't have to be myself anymore Hmm. And I think that it became therapy for me. It became a way for me to move through all the fears that I was facing in every aspect of my life.
0: Yeah. Hmm. What kind of... I mean, I'm thinking about uh, diversity and representation Um, and myself as, you know, a South Asian woman, like, you know, growing up in in Canada, not really seeing anybody who looked like me on on screen. And when you do, we're driving cabs or we run the convenience store like it's uh, and if we're animated, we're voiced by a white person, Um, you know, going into acting, you know, falling in love with it when you did. Like were there were there, you know, indigenous actresses that you admired? Were, were there did you have concerns about the about the kind of characters that would be available to you? Like what what did you want from your your career at that point?
1: You know, it didn't really occur to me when I got into it. I wasn't really thinking that way. I mean, the the only native people I knew that were famous at that time were Chief Dan George and Buffy St. Marie, who we yeah. see on Sesame Street all the time. Yes, right? we so, did! I mean, right? <laughs> so I, I didn't know of of any Native uh, female actors yeah. at the time at all, um, but when i was 17 i think 17 my mom saw this ad in the paper for um, a theater company in vancouver called spirit song native theater company and because i had grown up with her and sort of um distant from all of my native family i didn't really know a lot of them she thought it would be a really great thing for me to call them up and sort of connect with that part of me that had been missing for my whole life until mm-hmm. then, so I called them and they they called me in for an interview and um, I started working with them at seventeen. And did um, you for nine months? I worked with Spirit Song.
0: And did you find something
1: there? I found a connection. Um, with the people that i went to that school with and a deeper understanding of everything because i had at that time i had never even heard of residential school i didn't know that that existed none of my native relatives ever talked about that stuff Wow. ever so i learned a lot from going to that and I call it school that we are actually paid to go there. So um, it was a theater company that I worked with for, for nine months. And through then um, I just started um, auditioning for local theater and I didn't even consider because I'd grown up with my little white mom and my native dad without any, you know, discussion about our nativeness. Mm -hmm. Um. I just thought, well, I'm going to be an actor. I'm not a native actor. I'm just an actor. Yeah. I'm going to go out and do my thing. But for some reason, I was only booking native roles, and people were only bringing me in for roles that were, yeah, I guess, I guess I looked like a little Indian princess. Um. And it was Ugh. just like, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just after, um, just after Dances with Wolves came out. So that all of a sudden there was this like this. Everybody wanted to do Native stories.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But it wasn't Native people telling them.
0: Yeah. So So not Native stories. Not Native stories. Yeah. White ideas about what Native stories actually are. Right. Yeah.
1: So um, I did, for the first five years of my career, I did did mostly theater. Um, When I was 20, my agent that had seen me in a play and just, offered to represent me. I didn't know that that's not how it worked. Um, She sent me out for a couple of film auditions, which I had never even considered. I thought I was just gonna do theater for my entire life. Um, And uh, I auditioned for a, a small principal role in a feature film, or no, no, I auditioned for an actor role. It was only two lines, I think. And they gave me a large principal role. Just, wow. just the thought I was going to play this um, this Coast Guard. Um, but then my, you know, I, it ended up getting cut out of the movie at the end. Anyway, um, and then my next role was um, playing opposite Joey Lawrence in a TV movie, his, playing his love interest. So, I, so I, like I, I landed in film like that. Native roles, of course. And I spent a lot of time in Buckskin for the first you know, first few years of my career. Yeah.
0: yeah. And what is that like especially as you're saying, you grew up with the white mother and not mm-hmm. not really growing like growing up in your nativeness, um or in your culture in your culture, I in should like, say. Right. Yeah, in your culture. Uh, that experience though of being of being typecast and being like oh here's your buckskin you know like were you deriving pleasure from your work at that point was that the kind of work that you you wanted to do
1: You know, I think at that time, I'm being twenty twenty one, it was just exciting to be in the film industry without, you know, actually pursuing being in the film industry. It just kind of found me.
0: Yeah.
1: And being on set was exciting and playing these characters was exciting. And I didn't really consider that I was being typecast at that time. Um, And it's strange. I, I remember actually at one point looking in the mirror and thinking, I don't think I look all that native, but... Apparently, they think I do. So, I just I just kept booking these roles, and I wasn't at that time in a place where I could say no to them.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, it was it was exciting and confusing, and and just you know everything was growing pains at the yeah. time.
0: Yeah. What I love though about like looking at your career and where you've come is that you know you I mean you you play Indigenous women um women who are indigenous women who live in their you know in their cultures and who are also you know but they're not they're not ca- caricatures they're not stereotypes mm-hmm. they are they're powerful and they're flawed and they're vulnerable and they're sarcastic like Simone or they're you know like powerful chief like Leona or there was Lorraine who ran the whole operation like you know I like what like was there a change either in what you were going to audition for or was there a change in the roles that you were getting or the roles that were being yeah. written you know because there's definitely a like there's clear I mean a, a fan of yours
1: there's clearly <laughs> a change right I've been really, really fortunate to have well-written, well-rounded characters that I've been cast in. And I know that that is not the case for most, um, most of the actors that I know that are of first nations descent. Yeah. So I, I recognize that I've been very fortunate and I'm really, really grateful for the opportunities that I've been given. Um, and we need more of that. Uh, Going back to um, the first seven years of my career, I could see myself getting put into that box and and um, just became aware of, oh my gosh, I'm doing a lot of these buckskin rules. They're soon going to only see me as this if, if I don't do something drastic. So I did. I chopped off my hair to this little bob and um, my agent... <laughs> Was shocked and um, scared for me, but um, I believe that it worked because I was being seen suddenly for other roles. It's booking lawyer roles and cop roles, and some of them were native, but I didn't go into those roles looking typically native, which was kind of my goal. Yeah. And- just sort of opened it opened me up to this a whole other range of roles that I that that I got very excited about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that was a great segue because my okay. question is, what needs to be present in a character in a role to get you? really excited you're like i can't wait to like it do you know that you're gonna like is it the awareness that you're going to be giving an emotional gut punch to your audiences because you often do that to me you're nodding you are so cruel
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's one aspect of it Yes, yeah. <laughs> sure yes um you know when i when i first read uh, the sides for Simone in Godiva's, I thought, oh my God, this woman, it feels like, oh gosh, I'm going to paint a picture of myself that I may not want to right now, but I thought, I feel like Michael is writing about me and my life. Hmm. Um, so I wanted to play Simone because A, I had never read a script. Like that before, Godiva's was something that I had never seen before. um It was really well written. The dialogue was amazing. We could actually play off of each other. Um, so I, you know, I it, I had done a lot of those roles up until then, where it was just kind of I'm going to do this because I need to pay my bills. Yeah. But every once in a while, you read a script that you're actually excited about. And Simone was one of those characters that was so well written. And she was sassy. And I knew that I could have a lot of fun with her. Yeah. So it's sort of the same thing happened with when I read the script before auditioning for Leona on Blackstone. The, the concept of Blackstone was so intriguing because there was nothing like it on TV that had ever been done like that before. There yes. were no Native shows. Yeah. There were no Native shows that weren't period pieces that were portraying us as people believed we were back then. Yeah. This was a modern day take on reservation life which was reminiscent of what many communities were and still are experiencing across Canada and the United States. Not all of them,
0: yeah,
1: but many are still experiencing these things. And when I met with Ron Scott, who's the creator, well, um, him and Gil Cardinal, um, he was telling me that all the storylines that they were thinking of doing for the first season were all based on things that he and Gil had either experienced themselves or had read in the media.
0: Wow. Like,
1: they were actual, everything was based on. Based on the headlines based or
0: on, on a true story. On,
1: wow. Yeah so our entire five seasons that we did was run that way if there was something that somebody we knew and experienced we would write stories about that well they would write st- I had nothing to do with writing but yeah that th- these were the stories that we were portraying so yeah. they were all based on real things
0: and Blackstone is is it on Netflix am I like did that just it come was. into my mind it was, it was on, Netflix. on
1: Netflix Netflix for about a year um, it's now on Amazon Prime
0: okay Amazon Prime yeah, yeah. And just and I, like people need to watch it because I remember watching it and um, I mean it's it's like a master class in acting you know as well which also Godiva's was frankly if we can talk about you know the like we're talking Aaron Karpluck we're talking Stephen Lobo, Sonia Bennett, Leah Cairns like even Juan Riedinger had his first uh, his, yeah. his first role fact, was on that. He
1: won a contest Yeah, he won a contest to be on our show. Yeah yeah. So we held that, that the the mask, oh be a walk-on on, on Godiva's, have a role on Godivas. And there were two winners, a female and a male, and one
0: was one eating her. <laughs> One was one. That's yes. It's so, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um actually, I mean when I think of it, when I'm looking at I have seen more than the three shows, but I've seen the three shows. I'm such a fan. But even Arctic Air, you know, when you're part of a... I mean, that was such a well-cast show. Um, a real ensemble, you know. What... what, Like, when you are all such big talents <laughs> and you're going to have to, like, share... Like, what, what do you think is is the secret to a successful ensemble show. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You know, like, is there talk about, like, is it a chemistry? Is it about, like, just... Absolutely. Yeah, it's chemistry. Yes. So it's, yes. Like, 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 magic. It's
1: like <laughs> it's connection like, with the people that you're working with...
0: Yeah.
1: ...in and out of the studio is very, very important. And, you know, when you're on a good show like that and everybody is, there's no ego, everybody's kind of down to earth, everybody's friends. Yeah. Um, you could just, you can make magic. And yeah. we we all still love each other so much. I miss them. I yeah. miss them
0: a lot. All yeah. of them. Well, you, I have a feeling at some point, given how often you've reunited with some of these people, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. going to be another Stephen Lobo show in their future. There has to oh, be. Cause... Sure. There has to be. <laughs> um, of all the characters that you have portrayed, mm-hmm. um, inhabited, uh, which one. Is most like you? <laughs> I have a guess and I wonder if I'm right. Do you have a guess? I kind of do. Just from, okay. I think, Lorene? No. No,
1: you're like, oh, hell no. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing there are definitely aspects of Lorene that I inhabit. I mean, I I do like to take control. <laughs> I I do enjoy bossing people around. I like things to be clean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I'm probably more like Simone. Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure?
1: Uh, well, but, I guess that's the I mean, other thing. Okay, like, so
0: how much you know of what? you? Are, is in these characters as well, you know? Like, did you um, did you have room to really bring a lot of yourself to to Simone?
1: Oh, of course, of course, yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, and you know what? Um, Michael McLennan is is really good at that. You know, he likes hearing your ideas and and will take into cons- consideration anything that you're feeling about your character when writing. You know, um, he he came to me um, at the end of season one when he was we were I think we were at the rap party actually or some sort of gathering and we were t- he was talking about here's what I'm thinking for season two. Um and he said, you know, I had this idea that I think Simone has a child somewhere and I went, Oh my God. I was thinking the same thing that Simone has a kid somewhere. Hmm. And he's like, Yeah, I was thinking that she just kinda keeps him off like he's probably around eight or eight or something like that. And I'm like, oh really? That's not at all what I was thinking. I was thinking that she had a teenager, that she had had a child very young, and this is the reason that she had to leave Williams Lake. And he, I could see his face kind of go, whoa. And lo and behold, we spoiler come back
0: alert! It happens. Two.
1: Spoiling, well, spoiler alert! Yes, that I came back and read the scripts for season two. And, and then like, Simone's oh, daughter he's,
0: runs he's, off he's, with someone that oh, lost
1: his God. virginity to Simone in an early episode.
0: <laughs> scandalous I
1: love that storyline I was so nervous yeah. about her and I was like I hadn't met Noel yet and I'm like oh my god I'm gonna have to do this love scene with a teenager One of I oh my god and then I met Noel, and, and he was actually 20 playing 16 so I was like oh thank god I don't have to get naked with a 16 year old oh what a relief
0: <laughs> um yeah well, which of those characters or of all the characters that you've played has offered the most opportunity to learn either about about yourself or about acting, I can't say acting, normal acting, <laughs> or about something else, like which had the most learning attached? <clears throat>
1: That's difficult to say because every every opportunity that I've been given has been a learning opportunity, you know. Yeah. And we, we we never stop learning as actors. It's always character study. It's it's always um, discovering and rediscovering. So you know, twenty eight years of acting has been my classroom.
0: Yeah, and so we're still so in I, the classroom, yeah,
1: still in the classroom, and I will always be. But I mean, obviously, the 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 bigger roles that I've played, the more extended roles, season after season, you know, doing a role over and over, or doing playing a character, the same character in multiple episodes, you become a better actor hmm. if if you're able to jump into that character over and over and over again. So yeah, the 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 extended seasons that I've done
0: those are those are the ones those are those are the fun ones okay let's let's name some names okay Okay. um because people want to hear you name some names I mean you have worked with a lot of incredible scene partners I mean like I'm even with I'm thinking of Kevin McNulty like tell me like who are some of your favorite scene partners from over the years and why why (laughs) like why they make the list (laughs)
1: Favorite scene partners? Oh my goodness! Okay, my uh, you know what? My mind's just gonna go completely blank. Of now course, I've yes. Been put on this spot. Um, <laughs> favorite scene partners:
0: Ben Kingsley. Pfft, sorry, um, what a scene partners.
1: That's a flex. Wait, yeah. No, um, but why? I
0: mean, besides the fact that that is Ben Kingsley, who I also, I mean, that is one of the. The I mean, he's a South Asian actor who no, played right? Gandhi. You know, like for yeah. me that was very exciting. I'm like, wait, they actually got a South Asian out to play Gandhi. Woo! Right? Yeah. Pretty amazing. It was he's pretty amazing.
1: I think just because he is he's such a powerful presence and and a lovely lovely human that you know any opportunity to just be around him and to be on screen with him was just just such a joy
0: yeah yeah okay that's a good answer i mean <laughs> it's a flex too Ben Kingsley isn't he a sir? <laughs> sir, Sir he Ben Kingsley. King
1: Kingsley yes. Sir he actually, Ben. Went, after we finished shooting, we stayed in touch for a number of years, and he used to he used to write me letters back when people wrote letters. Wow. He used to write letters on his Sir Ben Kingsley stationery.
0: Wow! I want I Sir Ben letters. Kingsley stationery. Be <laughs> Not even Sir Sabrina, <laughs> Lady Sabrina. No, Sir Ben Kingsley. <laughs> um. So you were. You were, like, as I mentioned in the intro, you've been nominated for a Leo for Rustic Oracle, um, and you won uh, Best Supporting Actress at the American Indian Film Festival. Um, It's a film that it takes place uh, in the 90s, um, and it is about uh, an eight-year-old girl um, whose big sister is vanished. I, I, yes, I'm telling you the synopsis for the movie yeah. no, you're like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. no, it's, it's a, it's a murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, uh, story. It's a family story. It's a woman story. Um, can, can you it's an, indigenous te- story. it's an indigenous story. Can you tell me what drew you to this material? Uh, and, you know, the experience of of being involved in this project? Because I know you have been out front with this this project as well.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to get the word out, you know. I mean, not enough people know about it still, even though it's been happening for years and years and years and years. Um, So when I read the script... um, I, I just thought it was important to subject matter and in, you know, to step into the role of a mother who has experienced this. I know there are so many parents out there that are experiencing the excruciating pain of not knowing yeah. of, of, or of discovering that their, their child has passed. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine as a mother, I can't imagine that pain. Um, So to represent them and, and tell a piece, a tiny piece of, of their story was important to me. Um, And working with uh, Sonia Buelo. And when I, um, I read the script, and then I, I looked her up and uh, I watched her movie Ledepp and I thought oh she is a Mohawk woman (laughs) and she is up and coming and she's actually she's got talent she has a voice and I was I was really excited to work with Sonia
0: yeah
1: so there was that
0: yeah there is that aspect as well. When, when you say that people don't know about it, we're talking about the, the fact that there are in North America thousands upon thousands of, of women and girls who either they go missing or they are discovered murdered. And it is there's a complete lack of. Of, of interest and investigation mm-hmm. on the part of the authorities. There's a lot of, oh, they just ran off or, you know, and yeah, and uh, yeah, that like, whole oh, systemic you know, racism. They just,
1: they just left on their own accord and, you know, not enough is being done. You know, there was the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Inquiry that had took place a couple of years ago. Um, and there were recommendations that came out of that, and and still nothing has been done.
0: Well, if I remember correctly, the media fixated on the fact that the commission rightly identified what was happening, what is happening, as a genocide. And yeah. there, the and the big main response from media and a lot of white Canada was, well, no, it's not genocide. They stuck on the word, when the statistics and the experiences of the families and the women Mm -hmm. suggest otherwise. So what role though, do you think that art can play um, that a film like rustic Oracle uh, can play? Or I'm thinking as well of um, Elmaya tail feathers and Mm -hmm. Kathleen Hepburn's uh, film the body remembers when the world broke open, um, which also touches on, you know, um, intergenerational tr- trauma and violence and violence mm-hmm. against women. Um, but what role do you think that it can play in, well, I mean, honestly, in in making a difference in, in, you know, this this move to literally save lives?
1: Well, I think art is very important. I think it's actually a crucial element to getting the word out there to educating people because in order to educate the masses, um, there has to be unfortunately, an entertainment aspect to it. Hmm. Most people, I don't think, want to sit down and read um, a document to, you know, understand what Native people in this country have gone through for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, So... Giving the masses little glimpses of our stories in cinematic format or in literature um, is really the only way that it's going to get out there in a major way. Yeah, yeah.
0: What is a a work of art where you've you've seen um, an indigenous character that that's not? Like, you're not in it, uh, but like either like a film that you've seen, uh, you know, or, or a, a show you've watched or a book you've read, but you've you've consumed this entertainment. You're like, wow, this is I, I would either I would want to play that character or like this. This role is making a difference. You know, honestly, it
1: happened when I was 21. I was in this dance sort of dance group when we were touring the North Island of new zealand for three weeks and while we were there the people that were hosting us said you have to go see this movie it's called once we're warriors (sighs) and i saw once we're warriors in new zealand with our maori friends and i thought oh my god they're telling our story
0: yeah
1: they're telling their story and I'm I can't believe that they've been able to tell their story because we weren't doing it over here in Canada. Yeah. But their story was our story as well.
0: Yeah.
1: And I I noticed you know every Marae that we visited I, I noticed that like their their um, lodgings were like our longhouses and their hmm. artwork was very similar to ours and you know we'd we'd meet new people and they'd call us cousin. <laughs> And it was just, you know, it was just such a magical experience. But I remember thinking, oh, my God, one day, if I could play that woman in a story like Once Were
0: Warriors. Yeah. yeah. it just got chills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I do want to spend a little time. You now, we were laughing about this beforehand, because I, I was like, okay, Carmen, what do you want to talk about? And I want to talk about Godiva's and Blackstone and Arcta and Rustic Oracle. And you're like, oh, we should talk about Le- Outlander, too. And I was like... Oh, you mean that from when you were filming it in, like, Scotland and you got locked out of your hotel laundry room and you had to, like, bang on it? Like, I I am a big fan of what Carmen puts out on a, on social media. It's so, like, that is my big association with Outlander. And I know there's, like, more to it than your experiences there. But, but okay, so first of all, you filmed Outlander on location in Scotland. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. You know, oh, what were the what were the challenges that you faced and what made it memorable? And, challenges?
1: Uh, my God, it was like the highlight of my career so far. Yeah. It was like I got to film in Scotland for a month.
0: Even the way you said Scotland. Scotland.
1: <laughs> With a British accent. Yeah. Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> Scotland I guess they flew... 150 First Nations background stunts and actors to Scotland and put us up. 150? So, like, yes! They flew us all out.
0: Have there been that many Indigenous people in Scotland all at one, one time? At one
1: time? I don't
0: think so. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You were in yeah, Edinburgh, right? Edinburgh? Or? Um,
1: no, we were in Glasgow. You were in Glasgow, okay. Glasgow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to try the accent again, because apparently sounds British.
1: We got made fun of for saying Glasgow. Oh, okay. It's it's Glasgow.
0: Glasgow, (laughs) Glaswegian. I know that my so my husband, he he did some work there a couple years ago and um, he had that's where he had vegan haggis.
1: Oh, my, vegan haggis. Oh, weird. See, I yeah. had real haggis when I was there. I had never tried haggis before. and actually, I haven't
0: had vegan or otherwise, so... I was
1: terrified to taste it. It took me five minutes to work myself up to putting the bite in my mouth, um, and it wasn't that bad. It tasted like meatloaf.
0: Oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so highlight of your career, you mentioned the 150, you know, yeah. Native actors and flying to yeah. Scotland, but... Um, but what was it about that? Was it the travel involved, or like the experience of filming? Like, tell me more. Tell me more. I want you to have many more experiences of your career in your career. Okay, so Thank travel's you. a big one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes,
1: huge. Um, I've always wanted to go to Scotland. Yeah, it's been a dream of mine. My mother is mostly Scottish, um, so she has been telling me since she was like since I was very very young. She's like, I'm homesick for Scotland, and I've never been. And she has been wanting to get to Scotland. She, I've got to take her there before, like before something happens to her.
0: Did but, you yeah. feel a connection then to Scotland? Oh, being
1: absolutely, there? yes, one hundred percent. I landed and I was almost in tears right away. The first time I heard bagpipes on the street, oh my god! I burst into tears. Yeah. I um, Sarah Lee MacArthur and I. Sarah um, lise MacArthur. Yeah, she's great. She's um um, w- uh, one day that we had off, we took um we took a train into another. I can't remember the name of the town, but and then we took the the Loch Lomond tour, and I just I I was on the lake, and just crying, and I took a, a video of myself and me and Sarah Lee singing Loch Lomond to my mom, Aww. so I could send it to her. And I just, like I can't tell you how many times I cried in Scotland because it's just, it's so magical. There's something really, really special about that land.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, yeah, it's just, I adore it. I can't wait to go that. back. I yeah. would love to go back,
0: yeah. Um, I'm curious about... The characters that were played in this, and especially the fact that you were you were in Scotland, where I'm assuming they might not have a lot of experience writing for you know for native actors and artists. Like, what was that experience like of working on the material? And um, and was there okay? Because I'm going to be really honest with you. I was in England last summer, and uh, I went to a lot of um, like antique shops and a lot lot of like um, seaside, like piers, like where they have amusement parks, and they had some of the most like r- racist, um, you know, uh, care- painted like you know the cigar store Indian type stuff, and and I took photos because I Boris Johnson recently was like, oh, England's not racist. I'm like, do you see all these photos I took? Like, come on, there's still there's still racism there, you know, there's still the othering. Um, And so I'm curious, did you experience any of that or was there just like, oh, wow, we're so excited you're here or what was that like?
1: For the the most part, it was we're excited you're here. And, you know, when I went for my wardrobe fitting, I was really impressed with the amount of um, with amount of research that they had done to be authentic. And, you know, they had made a bunch of little satchels and stuff from like hand stitched all this stuff and used porcupine quills. And like, they, they really, really. So
0: they did, did the work.
1: Then. Oh, they did the work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we worked with, um, a woman named Eva from Akwesasne. They flew her out as our dialect coach, um, to work alongside with, um, Carolyn, who is the the show's dialogue coach for all the different uh, languages that they speak on the show, yeah. but they had Carolyn and Eva working together to ensure that we were getting the Mohawk right, the dialect of Mohawk that we were speaking. So we worked with her for two weeks to get all our Mohawk dialogue sounding sort of really fluid and accurate.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But I mean I'll well, be around old, Scottish
0: people all the time yeah. too. That's what I love.
1: Oh my gosh, I like I had to really concentrate on what they were saying because there were times that I did. You're Just like I like, wish I, there were subtitles no
0: in this live Not conversation previous, right?
1: we we're having. Yes. <laughs> no idea what they were saying especially if we are in the like the transport vehicles and we hear people talking over the walkie talkies like what
0: what was that they're the parents from Charlie Brown yeah. cuz like honestly well, not
1: no. even that
0: it was a so what what yeah a smell and nod no idea no so key. is that the key then though is it's like it's about making an effort to to do the work, to do the research, like you can write mm-hmm. as a writer, you can write characters that are not necessarily from the culture that you're from. Just make mm-hmm. sure that you've done the research, you've
1: done the research, I yeah. mean, obviously, it would be best if you had Mohawk people writing the Mohawk stories, yeah, that would be ideal. But the thing is, is that Diana Gabaldon, when she wrote her books, you know, she wrote the Mohawk storyline and the, you know, the Mohawk Wars that happened in the 1700s, you know, those that that actually happened. Yeah. Mean, and but it's fiction. Yeah. He's taking real events and putting it into a fictional story. So we have to give some leeway there a little bit. and Yeah. You know, it, the, the, First and foremost, Outlander is—it's a story. Yes. It's sci-fi.
0: It's, it's and it's not just problem. and it's not even just that. Right. It is so mm-hmm. beloved. Is, um, I know that you've had the experience to interact with some with some fans, right? Can you tell me about about Outlander's fans? And um, I. I mean, I always feel that there's an opportunity to learn something from fans. I mean, I talk about a lot lessons, but, you know, can you tell me what you've learned from that from that fan base and your experience in that in that Outlander world?
1: That they they love they love unconditionally. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And they they just they just want they just want to spend some time with you. Yeah. You know, I did an, an outlandish convention um, in Surrey last year, and it was a tiny little convention, and we just got to spend the weekend with the most lovely people who mm-hmm. were just, you could just see that they live for this. Yeah. So to be able to show up and just sit with these people for a little while and give them a weekend of joy of these these people that they see on their TV screens
0: yeah
1: really it's just it's just they, they just love it so Aww, much.
0: Carmen has hard eyes right now you guys can't see it <laughs> but she's like got hearts in her eyes and hearts all around her um, who do you geek out about or what do you geek out about? and I say that as somebody who is a very proud geek myself
1: oh, you know I thought that I was a person that never got starstruck. Ever. You know, I've worked with some big names. You know, what, you just show up, you do your work. That's, that's who I am. Until I... Oh God, this is embarrassing.
0: Now she's <laughs> oh shrinking.
1: <my> <laughs> I was in New York with my friend Glenn. My dad had just passed away in 2017. And mm-hmm. I went to um, North Bay to stay with my friend Glenn Gould for a little bit of time. Because I, you know, I was with him... 20-whatever years ago when his parents died oh. in a car accident. You know, oh. we've been friends for that long. So yeah. when my dad died, he was one of the first people I called. So he invited me out to spend some time on the lake and just get away from the world. And we decided that we were going to take some road trips. And, and neither of us had ever been to New York. So we ah! went to New York. And we hung out with Sarah Lee because well, Sarah Lee lives in New York. Yeah. And we're like, we want to go see a Broadway show. We can't be in New York and not see a Broadway show. Uh huh. So... Um when Glenn first met me when I was 19 years old, I was singing the soundtracks to all these musicals because that was my thing at the time. So I had been singing the soundtrack to Miss Saigon all the time. So he's like, Miss Saigon is funny. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to see Miss Saigon in New York. Oh, my gosh. So we went saw Miss Saigon and I cried almost the whole way oh, through. Oh, yeah. And then, um, Sarah Lees had a friend who was actually in the show. So we went, you know, after the show, we met her on the street and she's like, do you guys want to come backstage? Like you can actually come back and see. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go backstage. Backstage at a Broadway show? Broadway So we went backstage and we we're just hanging out. And while we were sitting there just chatting with each other, she goes, oh, you see that girl over there, right there? That's Leia Salonga, <gasps> the original Miss Saigon. And I was like, oh.
0: I'm a Broadway head. I understand. I understand.
1: And she's she's like, oh, do you want to meet her? And I was just like, I brought me over to meet her and I could barely speak. I shook her hand and I was like, so nice to meet you. I've been singing your songs since I was a teenager and I just think you're the best and you're the greatest and you've got the most beautiful voice and you don't care. You don't care that I've been singing your song since I was 16. I am a woman in my 40s. What am I doing? Why am I losing my shit over this? And she's looking at me like, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's great. Lovely. <laughs> like, she's never heard this before. Yeah. And I'm like, so anyway, can I get a photo? You <laughs> did
0: like, it! You did yeah, it! That's so good. Yeah,
1: you can get a photo. So I got a photo with her, and I walked away going, oh my God, this is what it's like. For the fans when they meet us, this is what it's like for them. I finally get it. So I've been far more I've been far more understanding with fans (laughs) since that moment because I've felt it.
0: Woo, that story was a journey. Um, if I had known this, maybe instead of contacting Gary, I would have sang a song. A song I swear I give my life for you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, have you ever done a musical?
1: Just the high school musicals. I mean, that was sort of my dream when I discovered I mean, when I discovered drama, I mean, like, I I saw fame, I used to watch fame when I was a kid, and I thought, oh, I'd love to go to the School of the Arts in New York, and not understanding that all those people have been singing and dancing since they were two. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, like, I did high school musicals, and I thought, I'm going to just, I'm going to do musical theatre, that's what I'm going to do. I have no dance training, I have no voice training, I have none of those things. So, when I got into theatre in Vancouver, I was doing local theater yeah there were no musicals for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i just seeing your joy though i want you to have that experience once
1: hey i sing in my shower or at karaoke sometimes <laughs> karaoke? but i don't think i i don't think i can do it on stage
0: what's your karaoke song
1: oh my go-to karaoke song right now is um cornflake girl
0: Victoria. oh yeah yeah yeah. That's a, that's a I good to, one. You know,
1: in my 20s, I used to do some show tunes, but my voice isn't the same as it used to be.
0: Hey, I think that as we get older, our voices get more resonant and have more character. That's what I think. Oh, okay.
1: I'm going to go with that. I like that.
0: <laughs> okay. Before okay. we get into um, favorite things, we can't afford sound effects. That's why I have to say favorite things. Um, I, I'm curious about what roles you are hungry for now like when when you envision yourself inhabiting a character it's like putting on a character skin suit that sounds like a serial killer thing i don't mean that but like i i just i imagine like I don't know. Like there's a character that exists in words and then the actor kind of moves into it and brings the words to life. It's like inhabiting or like haunting, but we'll, okay, we're going to leave that. I'm not even going to cut that out. We'll leave it there. It shows <laughs> how my mind works. Um, but like, what roles do you want to play?
1: Um, I think that I would like to do some lighter material. <laughs> I've done a lot. Of- As a
0: Carmen Moore fan, I am grateful to hear that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just I don't I haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to do comedy or to explore that genre. And I would love to do I would love to do more of that, I think. Yeah, and I need a, I need a really, really good written script to dig my teeth into. Because, because I don't have a lot of experience with it. Um, I need help. <laughs> I need the words <laughs> to help me.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Let's play some favorite things. Okay. Uh, Favorite things. So favorite things, the questions for favorite things were developed uh, by a very serious interviewer, my nine-year-old daughter, Mari. Um, And she feels that your answers to these questions are very, very revealing about who you are as a person and an artist, Actually, she didn't just say that. She's like, "These are these are favorite things that people can like." Um, okay. <laughs> the the key is to answer quickly without thinking too much. Oh, Share geez. what's okay. in your gut. Right. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Okay, favorite song. Yeah! Oh my god. <laughs>
1: I don't have a fa- How can you pick a favorite song? There are so many different, beautiful, amazing, incredible songs out like there. such People- as! <sighs> I-, I
0: can't possibly. <laughs> okay, I'm going to, okay, just so you know, you're going to have to pick some favorites in this game.
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> but I-, I, could- I could give you a list of the things that, I, I don't
0: know. What's a song you like? <laughs> Maybe not the ultimate favorite, but a, a, a song that you like.
1: A song that I like. Uh,
0: Besides Cornflake Girl, <laughs> Maggie Mae. Thank God that took some time. Okay, what is your favorite way to spend a lazy Sunday in Vancouver?
1: A Lazy Sunday in Vancouver. Um, Lynn Canyon. Oh,
0: Favorite junk food? Fries and gravy. Oh, she's going to love that answer. Um, well, I'm from Quebec originally, so she knows her oh, poutine. All right, favorite superhero?
1: Favorite superhero? Wonder Woman.
0: Nice. Favorite supervillain?
1: Supervillain? Uh Joker.
0: Oh, good answer, good answer. What was your favorite TV show when you were nine years old?
1: I don't remember that far back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because Carmen's 90, everyone.
1: (laughs) I think it's probably, probably like The Facts of Life. Oh. Maybe, if that was still on at that time.
0: It's in I accept that answer. Yeah. Are you sure? Okay, okay. okay. Sure. What was well, your yeah. favorite movie when you were nine? Same. Excellent answer. Yeah. Favorite hot beverage. Uh, hot chocolate. Oh, with whipped cream or without? Yeah.
1: Oh, I have to have whipped cream. Yeah, with whip. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Same with my kid. Favorite cold beverage. Kombucha. Okay, my I daughter love loves water. kombucha as well. Um, and I tell her it's mushroom water. And she's like, it's good for my gut. And <laughs> I can get it Jasmine lychee flavor. And I'm like, you're such a kid Solano Vancouver kid. Um, favorite vacation destination?
1: Um, I haven't really been to many places, um, but if I were going to travel again, I'd probably go back to Scotland.
0: Yeah, I want you to go back to Scotland. I'd I like,
1: really love to go
0: back. Make a reality show or something. But
1: I do want to see a beach somewhere with absolutely clear water <sighs> someday, and maybe with pink sand. Oh. So that is going to happen
0: soon. Okay, well, I follow you on all the social media, so I look forward to seeing photos of that. Um, And um, for my daughter, this next question is the last one. It's her favorite one of all her favorite questions, Um, and it's the most telling. You ready? All right. I'm so evil. I'm scared. Favorite animal? Cats. Oh, it's the only acceptable answer. Do you cats have do you have all cats?
1: Sizes. Yeah. Of all sizes. Yeah. Um, we do have a cat. Her name is Kisa. She's Kisa. black and she has a little white patch on her belly. Oh. Technically she's my son's cat.
0: Uh-huh. But
1: she, but she lives here. Um, if my son ever moves out, Kisa will go with him. Oh. But for now, we've had her for l uh, ten years now. Oh, wow. She's eleven.
0: Yeah. Loves cool. cats. I'm owned by two cats right now nice (laughs) let's end with some time travel okay we started with time travel we're gonna end with some time travel if you could go back in time to the very beginning of your career in the vancouver Mm -hmm. film and television industry what advice would you give to yourself or would you not say anything at all because that's an option too
1: Oh, wow. What I would say to myself is, you're going to be just fine. Mm. Trust that you're going to be okay. Because there wasn't a lot of that back then.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that is good advice for anybody at any age. Really. Um, one thing I love to say to my daughter when she gets, when, when she, there's a lot of, of sadness in her heart, as there has been in the last year, everything is already okay, you know, and we will be able to deal with whatever happens. So, Carmen Moore, you got me crying at the end. <laughs> just like always, just like always. Carmen, where can our listeners find you and follow you on the social media?
1: Twitter and Instagram. I'm Carmen Moore One. Yeah. On Facebook, I'm at the real Carmen Moore.
0: The real Carmen Moore. Okay. Well,
1: you know, there was another Carmen Moore that was kind of um, less real. Less real. Yeah. And um, (laughs) you know, was just sort of riding on the coattails, and and it was a weird situation. That sounds very bizarre. It's not
0: happening anymore. good good. I'm glad to hear that okay so the only face the only Carmen on Facebook is the real Carmen Moore Carmen, this was amazing when I get my studio back when the core is over the COVID-19 is over you'll come back right And you'll join me and we'll share some space
1: come back and I will talk about the other project that I did in 2018 after Outlander that I'm not allowed to talk about
0: (laughs) I love that right. thank you you're welcome. Okay, and thank yeah. you for joining us today. And also a special thank you to Gary Harvey uh, for taking the time to to send me all those beautiful those beautiful thoughts yesterday when I was literally sitting here being like, What do I say? This isn't doing it. This isn't doing it. Gary, can you do it? And he did it. And he did it. I can't believe you both did that. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll I'll send it all to you in an email. Okay, you can find more than 90 additional episodes of the YVR Screen Scene podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can keep in touch with us on the social media. We are the real, but that's not in our name, YVR Screen Scene on all the socials. And you can send us an email at Sabrina at scene.com. I appreciate you all very, very much.
2: Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series and movies, feature films from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series and even streaming video on demand like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA ultra-low budget agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered, and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award-winning world-class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP Actra. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP Actra member. Go to UBCP.com for more information.